about, oh, my math's probably wrong, but I think it was about 16 years ago, 17 years ago, I went to a men's retreat, and they said, it started on a Friday night, and they, they, you know, they sing some songs, and we pray, and the guy gets up to speak that's going to speak for the whole weekend, and he said, um, we're going to talk about the book of Galatians this weekend. We've just been praying, the leaders of this retreat, we've been praying of what we want to talk about, and we just really feel like you, you're all Christian leaders and church leaders, that we should really talk about Galatians and the message of Galatians, but... We don't want you to all go back next weekend and preach on this and like hear what we said at the retreat and then just go back Monday to your wives and be like, oh, this, 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 this. So right now I need you all to commit that whatever we talk about at this retreat this weekend, you're not going to tell anyone except someone in this room for 18 months. And I heard that and I was like, Okay, that's crazy. But then the guy went on and he said, the stuff that we're going to learn in Galatians is so critical and so important that I don't want you to lose it by talking about it when you can't live it. And so I don't want you to talk about it with anyone for 18 months so that you will make it so much a part of your life That in 18 months, when you do talk about it, everybody around you will already know it because they've seen you live it. And then I was like, okay, this is the most serious, intense retreat I've ever been to. These are the most serious, intense people I've ever known. What's really hilarious. Oh, and then the guy was like, and if you can't do that, there's no judgment, but you need to leave. That was the other part. It was like... (laughs) So long. And, you know, after that, nobody's going to leave. We all want, like, what are they going to say, right? So that was in the spring before we left to go overseas and live overseas for two years. So I come home on, on, you know, Sunday night. Cindy's like, so what was it about? How was it? I said, it was awesome. But I can't tell you about it for 18 months. So that was an awkward conversation. No. So it was really funny. And, I, you know, and I told her about all that. And, and I did, you know, they all laid hands on us and prayed for us for our trip. And, and there was a lot of other good stuff. But there was all this awesome stuff from Galatians that they talked about. And, and it was really good. So that was in the spring. We move overseas that summer. And there were times... Our, I'm going to talk about the rats and the mice, right? So there were times where I was just thinking through what I had learned from Galatians. And there's one night we're laying in our bed and we hear all over the ceiling of the house that we live in footsteps. Like you might hear this sometimes with squirrels. These weren't squirrels. These were rats. And we could just hear them just marching all across. And I am just laying there in my bed and I'm just smiling. I'm like, wow, I just praise God. 
right now I am seated in Christ in the heavenly places. And Cindy is like, what are you doing? There are rats above us running around the ceiling. I said, I am seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I am before the Lord right now on his exalted throne. And she goes, I'm here now. <laughs> I'll never forget you said that. I was like, oh yeah, well, yeah, we are here now. There are rats running across our ceiling. Um, you didn't know any of that stuff. Exactly. Right. So, um, yeah, we were there for like a year before I could even talk about it. So it's fun. So like I said earlier, it surprises me that I haven't preached on Galatians before. So now I've waited 16 years, 16 years from that retreat, but I don't even remember the stuff from the retreat so much. It's just, you've probably heard it all come out in other sermons, but, um, so we're in Galatians because this is what is happening where we are in the book of Acts. So as we're reading through Acts, we just got to this whole thing where uh, Paul and Barnabas, they went through all these villages and cities. They got run out by one. They, uh, Paul got stoned and was left for dead in another city. And all of those cities that they're going through are all in the region of Galatia. And after... They escaped, or after they left that region, Paul goes back to Antioch. He may have written Galatians on the way back, because there's a, there's a big ship, a big boat journey involved in there that, that might have taken weeks. But um, I don't think it was on the boat, because there's stuff in here where he gets news, and I don't think he would get news while he was on the boat. So he, I think he either wrote it before they went back or once they went back. And it's just really appropriate because this is Paul's first letter. And since we've passed Acts 15, from here on in Acts, it's going to be all about Paul and what his message is. So it's really critical that we figure out how, what he was thinking. We read all the stuff in Acts of what he was doing, but now we're going to read in Galatians what he was thinking. Of course, we're not going to stay out of Acts either. So, he writes this letter. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. So, right off the bat, he calls himself an apostle. An apostle is someone that was sent out to proclaim the gospel. Somebody sent out with a message. Um, the Romans had apostles. You know, whenever an emperor died and there's a new emperor, whenever there was a new uh, war and somebody won, you know, Caesar wins the war and now they have this whole new country, they would send out an apostle, that word apostle, to tell everybody, here's the news, here's what happened. So Paul is saying he's an apostle. Note that he says not from men or through men. There were people that were following Paul as he went from city to city. And they would come to the synagogue after he'd leave. And they would discredit him and talk bad about him. And some of the things they would say is that he wasn't a real apostle. That he never saw Jesus face to face. 
He wasn't like Peter or John or James. He wasn't like any of those guys. So should you really listen to him? I mean, does he really know what he's talking about? And who really made him an apostle anyway? Like, did Peter send him to you? He didn't, right? Paul was sent from Antioch, not from Jerusalem. So these guys would discredit Paul. So a bunch of what the first part of Galatians is Paul trying to say, okay, look, you need to listen to me. Here's here's where my authority is from. And he says, all the brothers who are with me. So he, we know he went with Barnabas. There were probably other people with him as they went through all those towns. They may have picked up people to go with him. They, might, they may have had them with them in the beginning. But it says in multiple places, it wasn't just Paul and Barnabas. There was a, there was a whole group here. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He says, I'm so surprised how fast you have quit believing what you believed. But the emphasis isn't on what you believe and the emphasis isn't on the activities and the rituals you do. Notice the, the emphasis is, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting Him who called you. It's all about Jesus. And this is just a hint of how much the whole book of Galatians and the whole life of Paul is just about Jesus. It is focusing on Jesus. It's not focusing on, well, we'll get there. It's not focusing on any other things, any other additives, any other contributions or works. It's just on Jesus. And they've already deserted Jesus who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel. There isn't. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. So if anybody comes after me and preaches you a different gospel, a curse be on them. So we read that, and that sounds like, oh, that's bad. Um, your print, your translation might say, may they go to hell. That's more accurate of what it means. I mean, right out of the gate, Paul uses his strongest, harshest, most aggressive language in the book of Galatians. <laughs> you, you are not going to get, uh, I mean, you get grace and peace, but you also get... Let anybody that preaches a different gospel go to hell in the first eight verses. (laughs) And he means it. Um, he, He is passionately, I mean, just think, this guy went from city to city where he was threatened with his life, preached Jesus, got stoned, was left for dead, went back to the same city that stoned him, left for dead, and continued to preach Jesus. So his passion is not, there's no question about his passion. But the truth of it is, Jesus is the only way. 
Jesus is the only hope for salvation. And so any other thing added on to Jesus or replacing Jesus does not bring salvation and it leads to hell. And so he is using this strong language to say, look, this is life and death stuff. This is important. And Jesus is the only way. He is the only solution here. If anybody preaches to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached, let him be accursed. Like I said before, and I'll say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. He even says in here, even if an angel comes, if you have a vision, if somebody comes and they're a prophet, and they say they're the great magical power, the son, you know, bar Jesus and the false prophet. No. Jesus is the only truth. Alright, so what I want to do, so I know exactly what he was preaching, right? He says, if you don't, if you don't, if anybody comes preaching anything contrary to what I preached, let them be accursed. So let's go back to Acts chapter 13. And we have written what Paul preached. We have the thing that he said. And it's in Acts 13. Uh, it is this whole big old long chapter of Acts 13 is a big long speech. But the point of it, if you if you want just the cliff notes, is in Acts 13.38. He's talking about how David prophesied that the Messiah would come and everybody is looking for the Messiah. He's in a synagogue where people believe this in already. He's just proving that Jesus is the Messiah. And in Acts 13.38... He says, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. So Jesus has come to tell you your sins are forgiven. They do not count against you. And they won't. They do not count anymore. We're no longer counting sins. Because of Jesus. And everything who believes is freed from everything that you could not be freed from by the law of Moses. So the law of Moses, Paul's going to talk about this in the book of Romans. The law of Moses says do not covet. Well, that's a funny word. What's that? Well, covet means that you want something that somebody else has. Like that really cool Bible that Dan has. You all really want a Bible like that. Well, I didn't even know what coveting was until you told me that I shouldn't do it. And then you explained to me what it was that I shouldn't do. And now that I know what it is and I know I shouldn't do it, I really kind of want a cool Bible like that. That's what Paul describes in Romans that the law does. That you find out, don't steal. And then you're like, well, what's stealing? Well, it's taking something that doesn't belong to you. And then you're like, well, but it's so, this is kind of cool. I know it doesn't belong to me, but I think I kind of want it. And then you take it. Because sin is in the world. Adam and Eve have fallen. 
sin has entered the world. The devil is here. And so we all have this little bit in us that wants to just disobey God and do things our own way. And the law cannot free you from that. The law cannot free you. Telling you, don't cross the yellow line while you drive, doesn't do anything. It, it just it, it makes you scared after you cross the yellow line while you're driving of, oh man, I crossed the yellow line, I might get a ticket. It's not going to stop your car. But Jesus has now freed us from everything that the law of Moses could not free us from. So there's this thing that happens all at the same time. And I'm going I'm to tread lightly here and I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. Just hear what I'm saying. That because Jesus died for our sins... Nothing that we do wrong counts against us as sin. We are free. But that doesn't mean that we go out and do all these horrible things. Just because I'm free to do them doesn't mean that I go do them. Because with that freedom comes this love for Jesus and this love for God. In Ephesians it says I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. So with the Holy Spirit living in me, I don't want to steal the ornament, even though I totally can. (laughs) So what the law of Moses said was don't steal the ornament or we stone you and you're dead. The Holy Spirit says, I love God so much. He is complete and he has made me complete. To be complete, I don't need to take that ornament to be complete complete because I'm already complete in Jesus but it also says that if I have a moment of weakness and I steal the ornament the sin that I've committed against God does not count against me it counts against Jesus on the cross Jesus took that sin It's really crazy. The church has been arguing about this since Acts. (laughs) And so if it sounds hard to grasp now, don't worry. Tens of thousands of people, entire denominations have formed. A whole Protestant Reformation happened all over some of these questions of... Is it by what we do or is it by what we believe? Is it by our actions or is it by our faith, right? This is the whole book of James is like weighing all this whole thing. But Paul says here in the Galatian churches, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. So not by anybody else. There's no other path. There's no other person. Only Jesus And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. That is the gospel. That Jesus Christ has freed you. He has set you free. There is, um, so there's a couple ways that people handle freedom. And there's a couple, you know, uh, security and safety. Like, Some of the safest people in the world, protected, fed, washed. They they have all of their, everything, they have total security because they get everything they they could ever need to live. 
and nobody can get them and they're totally safe are the people in solitary confinement in a prison. So would you say that they are free because they don't have to worry about their food? They don't have to worry about if it's cold outside or hot outside? They don't have to worry about their job? i got to keep my job. I hope that the economy doesn't slump and I get laid off. No. There's a lot of people that see that in their Christian life and the freedom of their Christian life a lot like a person in solitary confinement. I can't go bowling. I can't listen to rock and roll music. But by golly, I am Christian and I am safe. There's other people that view their Christian life as just absolutely out of control, hedonist, I deny myself nothing, and they're all over the place, and they do whatever they want. That's not freedom either. There's a freedom that's in Christ that says, Jesus, I want to follow you, I want to live for you, I want your Holy Spirit to guide me and direct me, but I'm not going to let any guilt or any shame hit me, because forgiveness has taken away guilt and shame too. Wow. All right. So if anybody preaches a different gospel than the fact that Jesus took away all of your sins and freed you from all the things that the law of Moses couldn't free you, curses on them. So how does that play out? There, you, there used to be a, a sermon that was going around, I think it was on YouTube, and it was the sermon on the tie. And this guy preached for a half an hour about why you have to wear a tie to church. And it just aggravated me how many people shared that and how many people watched it. Because that guy should just be cursed and be done. Whoa. Okay, that's serious. Yes. Um, if, if anybody preaches anything that you have to do to make Jesus like you, other than believe in Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection from the dead, they're adding a whole bunch of junk onto the gospel. And, and this is, this is a pa- I have a buddy, and he was on a roof. He's on a roof doing work, and these Mormons came up, and they started telling him from the ground all the stuff that he had to do to make God like him. And he got so angry and so, ugh, because Jesus, if there's anything else Jesus had to, we have to do to add to Jesus, then Jesus died on the cross for nothing. That Jesus didn't do a good enough job. And so my buddy, he was telling me the story. He said, Dan, it was all I could do to not just jump off the roof and punch those guys in the face. The stuff they were saying about Jesus. But I had to walk down the ladder. And as I walked down that ladder, I was just shaking. I was so upset. And that calmed me down. And I realized Jesus wouldn't punch him in the face. (laughs) What did he study with those guys? He tried to get them to study Galatians free. So Paul says, if anybody preaches to you another gospel, anything other than Jesus has taken away all of your sins and made you free, let them be cursed. He says in verse 10, am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. This was another thing that people were accusing Paul of. They said, he's just trying to be famous. He's just trying to make everybody like him by going into these places and saying, all your sins are forgiven. 
you don't have to follow the law of Moses. I mean, who wouldn't love that, right? Bacon for everybody. Hooray! He's trying to say, I'm not just saying this stuff to make people like me. If I wanted people to like me, I would not follow the man that Rome and all the Pharisees had executed. He was executed in Jerusalem by Jewish leaders, by the Romans. If I wanted people to like me, I wouldn't follow him. So then he lets them know this whole next section Here is how I became an apostle. Paul is saying, I want you to know, the gospel that was preached to me is no man's gospel. It is not Peter's version that I got from Peter. It's not James' version that I got from from from, uh, nobody. I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through revelation of Jesus Christ. So all the people that said, Paul never even saw Jesus. Paul is saying, I saw Jesus. I talked to him. You have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. Remember in Acts 9, it says Saul was still going along, breathing out murderous threats and hatred towards the church. There are some estimates that he was responsible for 10,000, as many as 10,000 people being killed or imprisoned before he got converted, before he made it to Damascus. So he, yes, he was rotten. I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the tradition of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me, In order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So, flip over to Acts 9. (laughs) We're not going to do this forever, but we are going to do this some. Acts 9 is where it happens, where he is breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And he went to the high priest in Jerusalem and he said, give me letters to Damascus. Give me a small army. I'm going to go round up all these people. And he goes and he is struck blind, right? We talked about just like a month ago. From there, let's see, Ananias um, comes and prays with him. And scales fall off of his eyes, and he baptizes him, and he gives him food to eat. And then in verse 19, Acts 9.19, For some days he was with the disciples in Damascus. So he went to Damascus to find these people and arrest them. But he goes to those people, and he preaches, and he learns. Immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is the son of God. So in a, in a weekend, in just a matter of a few days, Paul is already equipped to preach that Jesus is the son of God. How did that happen? Because Jesus appeared to him. Um, evidently in the time that he was fasting and praying, 
he learned more from Jesus. He got more, he learned more from the Holy Spirit than just the statement of why are you persecuting me? He, he learned even more than that. When they, uh, Saul increased all the more in strength and it confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. After many days, they all wanted to kill him. So they smuggle him out of town in a basket down the wall and he leaves. He probably went out into the desert for a little bit. He went around Syria. He went back to Jerusalem. All right, so now we flip back over to Galatians 1.18. No, 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 let's go back. Galatians 1.16. He was pleased to reveal his son to me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone. So this is where he went off on his own. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. I went away into Arabia, then returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, who is Peter, and remained with him for 15 days. So this is that other spot in Acts 9 where he goes up to Jerusalem and he meets with them and they are all afraid to meet him because he's last time he left Jerusalem he was murdering people right but Barnabas we know from Acts 9 Barnabas brings him and introduces him and vouches for him and says guys he is legit he is really preaching the gospel so that is in Acts 9.26 He meets with Peter. He meets with James, the Lord's brother. Then he goes to Syria and Cilicia. He was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. So this is where... Remember he went and he started preaching around and in Jerusalem... Remember I said that there was a uh, disagreement about what you live and what you believe? This is in Acts 9.26. He tried to join the apostles. They were all afraid of him. Barnabas brings him. And then skip down to 28. Acts 9.28. He went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. But they were seeking to kill him. Alright, so the last time we heard about Hellenists in Acts was in Acts 7. When Stephen, who was a Greek or a Hellenist, he went to his synagogue and he started talking about Jesus. And all the Hellenists of his synagogue... So these are Greek-believing. Saul of Tarsus was probably a part of that synagogue. And so they brought Stephen before the Jerusalem council, and eventually he got stoned. That's why Saul is there holding his coat, because he's part of the synagogue that Stephen was a part of that got into trouble. Remember how bold Paul is? Remember how he gets stoned and then get up and go back into the city that stoned him? (laughs) When he gets back to Jerusalem, and he talks to James, and he talks to Peter, and he talks to the apostles, what's the first synagogue he goes to to preach Jesus? The one with the Hellenists, where he used to go 
Probably the one that he used to go to. Probably the one where they stoned Stephen. That is bold. Like, he is the bravest, most boldest, brashest. Yeah, anyway. He is as bold and brave as King David, uh, little boy David walking around with Goliath's head, right? I mean, he is that. He goes to that synagogue, stirs up all kinds of heat, and they want to kill him. And they're like, dude, you go back to Tarsus. We need you to lay low for a little bit and just chill out all this conflict. So Barnabas takes him back to his hometown of Tarsus, which takes us to Galatians 2. After 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem. Okay, so 10 years of that was in Tarsus. Then remember, we talked about this like three weeks ago. Barnabas was going to go to Antioch. So he went and got Paul from Tarsus. He hasn't seen Paul for 10 years probably. He's in Tarsus. He goes, picks him up, and he goes to Antioch. The Antioch church is legit, and it is growing, and the Holy Spirit is upon them. And they get a, they, they have a prophet that says there's going to be a famine in Jerusalem. So all the church in Antioch, all of these Greeks, all of these Gentile believers, put all their money together, and they bring it to Jerusalem, and this happens. After 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me, a Greek guy. I went up because revelation, the revelation was there's going to be a famine and we need to give them some money. Set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles. In order that I make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. So what's he doing? He's saying, I have been preaching to the Gentiles in Tarsus for 10 years. I've been preaching to the Gentiles in Antioch for three years. And here's what I'm preaching. And he preaches it to Peter and all them. And they're like, yes, that is awesome. That is true. Remember how Peter and those guys went down to Antioch to make sure the gospel was being preached right and they approved it? Yes. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Alright, that seems a little random, but it's not. Hold on. Because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so they would bring us into slavery, to them we didn't yield in submission. Those guys that are following Paul all over the place and discrediting him, they originated from the church in Jerusalem and they were saying you have to follow the law of Moses. And the number one rule, if you're a man, for the law of Moses is you have to be circumcised. And so all these cities that he went to to tell them you're free from the law. Jesus Christ has forgiven your sins. You don't have to do you don't have to add anything to his work. Now live by the spirit. They were saying, "Well, yeah, that's mostly right." But you also have to get circumcised. You can't eat ham and you can't tie this certain knot on the Sabbath day. And you have to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And you have to do the new moon festivals. Because Jesus did wasn't enough. You have to do all this other stuff. And so they even prevailed upon Titus, who was a Greek. And Titus did not give in to them. And that's important. Because by him not giving in, 
it is making a statement, this no longer matters. The law of Moses no longer needs to be kept. We are free. We are free to follow the Holy Spirit. We're not bound by a law. We are free to be changed on the inside out instead of you got everything on the outside right. Now you must be right on the inside, not necessarily, right? Jesus said, wash the inside of the cup, the outside will be clean. All they were doing was washing the outside of the cup. So he goes through all of that, that this is... Peter is entrusted with the Jewish, evangelizing the Jewish people. Paul is being entrusted with evangelizing the Gentile world. And they all agree that this is right. This is the right message. You are preaching the right gospel. There's only one gospel. There's only one church. We all agree on it. And you, Paul, are going to go out to all the Gentiles. James and C, they all, uh, says in verse 9, they saw all the pillars of the church. The, it even says supposed. The supposed pillars of the church all agreed that I was preaching the right gospel. So all these people in Galatia that are hearing, Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. He's making this stuff up. Now they're hearing from him. Okay, Peter and James and John agreed with him. We are hearing the right gospel. That's everything that he's building up. He says, They offered me the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. What's so funny is that's the whole reason why he went to Jerusalem, was to give them money to help them to have money while there was a famine. So the remembering the poor is kind of a... Uh, funny, a funny thing to mention because the whole reason he's there is giving them tons of money because they're about ready to be really poor for the family. All right, so Galatians, you guys, we're gonna stop. We're gonna stop there for today. This struggle of is it about what I do and am I Christian because I don't have a big old uh, your stupid tattoo across my neck? Does that make me a Christian? No. Would the Holy Spirit lead me to get a big tattoo across my neck that says you're stupid? Maybe. I don't know. There may be a circumstance in which that would be necessary. (laughs) I hope not. But judging by outward appearances is still going on today. It is still rampant through the church all over the place. There's all kinds of church people. I remember when... um, The first Sunday, we brought our foster kids here, and we told them, you don't have to dress up to go to this church. I remember one of them saying to the others, you don't have to dress up nice to go to this church. And it was like, I just heard that, and I was like, thank you, Lord, for the freedom we have that we don't have to dress up a certain way to go to church. Every time I hear somebody try to put a law on me, I I have two reactions. I wish I just had one, but I have two. And one is, thank you, God, that I am not shackled like that. That I am free. That you have set me free. And then the other one is, I just want to, why is that person bringing legalism on me? Why are they bringing laws on me? And then I have mercy and chill out a little bit. 
before I just leave. Um, as we go through Galatians, and as you go through your week this week, hold on so close and just pray for just the deepening of that knowledge that your sins have been forgiven. And all, I always, whatever horrible sin I'm going to commit when I'm 65, it's forgiven. Whatever sin you're going to commit tomorrow, it's forgiven. That doesn't mean you need to go enjoy it and savor it and go do it and be happy about it because it put Jesus on the cross. But it put Jesus on the cross and he died and he rose from the dead and he paid that debt and it's gone. So you don't have to walk in guilt or shame. You are free. And now we're free to live by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, oh man, like the more I can keep my eyes on Him, the more I can think about Him, the more I can be led by Him. I'm not going to do those horrible things when I'm 65 that are already paid for. So, I encourage you to check out Galatians this week. You read the whole thing all the way through. It's a quick read. Get an audio book. Listen to it over and over. And um, it'll blow your mind. What? You got a question? We forgot communion. But that's okay. We're free. We, don't, we didn't have a big enough crowd to have communion anyway. It says when you consider, drink communion, consider the body of Christ. And we only got like a third of us to consider. All right. Let's pray. Lord, you are so good. Thank you for the freedom that we have in you. And Lord, I pray that you would just deepen this down into our souls, that we would not walk in guilt or shame or regret, but we would walk in joy and peace and patience and kindness and tenderness and self-control. We love you so much, Lord, and we want to see more and more evidence of you in our lives every day just to draw more attention and more goodness to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.